What is up, loungers, buy it nowers, whoever is watching and listening on all of our podcast formats? What is up? As you might notice, we have two co-hosts today. Josh, Mr. Thoughtspace Athletics himself, Winter, myself, the Bane of Cody, and because he's the absolute worst, Cody Waldron could not make it today. He said something about, I don't know, going home, treating this lady to some McDonald's and some 64-ounce Gatorade um, for a date night because he's just tired of always working Friday. So Cody, in the true worst fashion, decided to bail on us, but we didn't bail on you guys. So welcome. Um, This is kind of just us hanging out tonight, Josh and myself. We missed last week, and we didn't want to do it two weeks in a row because... You know, somebody decided they wanted chicken nuggets. So with that, we're going to kind of just, you know, chill. If you guys want to write in um, some questions, that's always appreciated. We will answer any and all of them. But right now we're talking Ursus. If you guys don't know, Terminal Velocity just released their Color Globe Plastic. And for all you Dismaniacs and Innova old heads, you know Color Globe Plastic is like hyped it's what you're looking for because not only does it glow in the dark and you can find it during night rounds usually it means it's comfortable and usually it means it's a blend and so with the release of terminal velocity's color glow plastic and the ursus we were kind of just debating that and what that looks like me personally i love the feel it's a little chalky um right out of the box which i mean whether you like it or not it's there. I sometimes I don't like it as much, but it's not like bleeding chalk like crazy. Like I think Prodigy bleeds chalk. You let it sit for a, like a week and it's just oozing it. But this one, I mean, it's a little chalky feeling, but I feel like that's comfortable. I love it backhands. I love ripping on it. I think, I mean, it's definitely gonna have a spot in my bag next to my glass versus because I'm weird. I, I'm like 90% feel. If it doesn't feel right, I'm not going to throw it for that. So I'll have like this is my forehand section of my bag, and there's like six or seven discs that I only touch for forehands, and then the rest of my backhand section, and very rarely do they overlap. And when they start to overlap, usually it starts to like lean towards one way. Like my Color Glow FD3, I started off with it being beef, and I just loved it backhand, 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 and now it's almost transitioning to my forehand disc, and I'm not throwing it backhand nearly as much because I got this swirly uh, Doomber 2 run FD3. Sorry, long wind. <laughs> Color Glow Ursus, what are your thoughts, Josh? Um, so. First thing when I pulled it out, like I do get those vibes of like the old and of a plastic color glow plastic. Definitely not as, as soft, but it's pretty soft. At least the one I have, like I can dig my thumb in pretty deep to it. Um, it does have that chalky feeling. Nothing like like uh, what is it? The like the first run uh, FD twos. Those things are pretty chalky. I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like it's like that bad. No, um, it's not. Yeah, I just got it in. Um, I'm excited to try it out. I'm going to be up in Portland on Sunday. I'm probably going to go do Pure Park around like 11 a.m. Well, I mean, I was, I would love to see you, but I do have a tournament this weekend. Oh, where are you playing at? Uh, it's a A tier. We're doing three courses in the Salem area. What? Um, I mean, A tier, Zen, Fidel, or whatever. That's the NADGT A tier. So, there's a pro division and the am division, and I think the winner of the am division, if there's enough players, gets their full trip paid to Austin. Um, but we're doing three courses: so Wheatland, Kaiser Rapids, and 
Camp Talali. So oh, wow. kinda, yeah, kind of tight, wooded, yeah. um, hate your fairways, commit kind of shot. So Ursus is definitely gonna be getting some work this weekend. Yeah, I haven't played Wheatland in uh is that that's in Kaiser, right? Yeah, just outside. I haven't played I've never played Wheatland. Oh, it's it's a fun one. One thing I remember from it though is there's a few holes where it's like you want to have a spotter out there. I hear uh, it's really forehand dominant. Uh yeah, yeah, I would say that if you're right hand back in. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I mean I'm excited for it, playing it blind. I know I played Kaiser for the first time, Kaiser Rapids for the first time Wednesday. And I was laughing and I was telling the misses, like I was like, how is there two courses within an hour of me that I haven't played? I played so much and I'm always exploring them down, but I haven't played much of Salem, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Kaiser Rapids is that's a fun course. Um, it's definitely I'm... not as when I when I first heard about it and all the hype on it, I was super excited to play it. And then I went and played it, and it's a it's fun. It's fun. It's, it's not it's... one that I would like choose to go to all the time though. It's all right. I mean, I it's not anything too wow worthy. And I mean, I think it does like a lot of what other courses do without um like fully getting an identity from it. So it reminds me of like Dexter a little bit without the elevation, some of those like chippy wooded shots uh-huh. that you know, you can birdie on but you're not really having fun on. And then it reminds me of like Baby Trojan when you're throwing over water, like a couple holes, and you know there's this awkward like landing spots where you're throwing like 200 foot over water. You're throwing, and then you're coming back, but the water clearance is like 200, but it's like 450 foot shot. Um, those, I mean, so it's like I don't think it really has an identity. You don't want to get off the fairway. Ferns are going to eat your discs up there. I already lost like. Or almost lost the disc in the in the ferns more than a few times where I spent like twenty minutes looking and only had the disc staring right back at me. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm excited for it. I need to work on my putter mid range game, so this kind of weekend is going to be that. I know the Rico is going to be getting some work because it flies like a faster, glidier P three X, which is what I've been looking for. Um, and it feels pretty similar in that's hand. A, that's a Rico X. That's, yeah, that's a it's a new one. So it's so not as so with the Castoplast, when they release like a brand new disc, like their first runs, are they all in that like mint color? Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be like their mint first run. Um, I guess that's their thing. Kind of like you know how uh, the the Evolution line, the Primal runs used to be orange. Yeah. So I think it's supposed to be similar to that. Okay. But we have some people. Mark Edward Ogle is asking for us to show off some plastic. Do you have anything in reach? Show off some plastic. I can show um, off yeah. one of my favorite Thunderbirds. Okay. Check this out. I don't know if you can see it. Green and purple swirls. Ooh. This thing's nasty. Might make the bag. I've been bagging Thunderbirds again. I put a Halo Thunderbird um, back in my bag. It's been like the very first original run of Halo Thunderbirds from the Japan Open fundraiser in 2019. Um, I put that back in my bag and I've been loving it. It's one of the my thund- oldest discs. The Thunderbird one? The Halo one with the Hawk? I think I got it. If I'm not mistaken, it's this one. No. Oh, show off those abs. No, not that one. I also, uh, I was just showing you earlier, I got my uh, Razor Claw 2 with the Thought Space stamp. You did. Yeah. This one. Oh, that you're sending to me. 
I mean, I don't have this disc. You're sending that to me. You got that from me, right? No. I'm pretty sure you did. No. I don't think I've gotten any Innova from you. Ah, bullshit. You never know nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> but look at this. Sorry. I had to pull it. I have a P3X and a Rico X. They're pretty damn similar, guys. Just a little. That is really close. I mean, close enough to not. I'm trying to figure out how to line it up and get it to zoom. Close enough to not really feel a difference. This is obviously softer, different plastic. Um, but I'm digging it. So I think it's going to be making the bag. Glow P3X, Rico X. Yeah, I've been waiting to find someone that throws like D line uh, P3Xs, like putts with them. Because I've been putts holding on to this to putt with a P3X. Yeah. Oh. The D lines. Because I've been holding on to this set just for when I meet someone that throws it. They're green with like that, like digi camo. Ooh. I got like a, I got a set of them. Yeah. Kind of for so long, just wait, waiting to find that one person that th that putts with P3Xs. Well, if you find somebody, let me know because I got these team stamped D line P3Xs that would be awesome to putt with as well. Maybe. So if you guys know any P3X throwers, let me know. Or not throwers, putters. Putters. Because there's a lot of throw throw P3Xs. So, I mean, I know like every company right now is starting to try to compete with that zone slot. Um, where do you think like other awkward molds, like so like the Rico X, for example, that to me reminds me of a P3X, just a little bit straighter, a little bit glidier, a little bit further, which is going to be perfect for my bag because I need that. But what other molds do you start to see like other companies maybe trying to replicate and come out with new and act like it's new? Um, what um, do you want to see? I mean, I don't I don't think they're acting like it's new per se for this one, but what I'm seeing is a lot of companies coming out with um, using DM as a reference point, uh, that that origin slot that yeah. super straight, uh, lots of glide. Like we have like the origin, the hex, the pathfinder, they are all three of those discs technically can do the same thing. I'd argue the hex is more towards like a buzz, right? Uh, I guess the hex does. I've been throwing. I was throwing it for a bit, um, testing it out. It definitely is more uh, overstable than the those three that I'm comparing. I think it would go uh, the hex being the most overstable, the pathfinder being the most neutral, and then the flippiest is the origin. Well, what I found like surprising is um, MVP. Didn't they come with like the paradox, and then they double down with another flippy one that's similar to it? The, the Paradox? Yeah, but they had another mold that came out that was just as, like, well, like, maybe a tick more overstable, but still just as flippy. Yeah, it was uh, the Uplink. Yeah, the Uplink. So, like, for me, like, they doubled down on two super flippy mid-range molds, um, which caught me off guard, because usually it's, like, it's not going to be like, hey, we just released a Toro, and now we released its same exact counterpart, the, <laughs> I don't yeah. know, the well, Ballerina isn't, or isn't something. The, is Uplink MVP? Yeah, yeah, well, and then Axiom. Yeah, is it is that's, it Axiom too? Yeah, but it's still like that's what I mean. Like I think it's the 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 manufacturer, I guess. Yeah. Like I mean, yes, technically, like 
you know, the instinct is similar to FD2 and they did that, but there was a gap in between it. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like back to back new molds. Yeah, I wish I wish the instinct was like an FD2. I wish. Because yeah. those are super easy to get. <laughs> Too easy. Yeah. But they're so not easy, big. you can't resell them. Yeah. Yeah, uh, see, somebody agrees with me. Hex is a truth slash buzz. Yeah. I can see that, but see for I I don't have a lot of experience with the truth, but like with the buzz, I find those to be a bit flippy. Where I and don't I, find the hex to be flippy. So then why would you compare them to the origin if you don't find them flippy? Well, I, I put it in that category because you can make them go straight and they they have like a six, I would call I mean, them seven glide. You can make anything go straight. Oh my god. I like mean a, you're like, just okay, I'm sorry. It's you're just falling mid-range. apart here. A mid-range that is fairly neutral that has what you would call seven glide. That's like a buzz. No, 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 a buzz is definitely like a five. Origin is not like neutral. I think you put origin here, it's going to flip to flat and potentially turn over depending on how much torque you have. You have to be like just really just arming it. Um, I I guess the way I describe throwing that that line is I hyzer flip you know, the origin and the uh, Pathfinder. But I don't have to do that with the Hex. The yeah. Hex, you don't, have, you don't have to Heiser flip. So it sounds like it's in its own category, similar to a neutral mid-range, which are MD3s, which are buzzes, which are truths, which are hexes, which are, I don't know, rock threes. Which All, right. Are... <laughs> All right. How about this? They are in the same category because they are a seven glide. Because they are a mid range. <laughs> because they are a mid range. No, they have a seven I don't glide. think they're seven speed. I think they're like six speed. Like no. a, not seven glide. I think they're six speed. Well, I, I don't think seven glide exists. I call them seven because they have they have sneaky distance because of the high level six they have on the glide. The hex has it. The origin has it, and the pathfinder ha- has it. The buzz does not. So, I'm talking know, flights, and I'm talking lawyer. flight characteristics. I'm talking numbers don't matter. It's how you rip them. Let's see. I feel like people because the origin has the same exact numbers as a buzz, but we know they don't fly exactly the same. So I got a question here. I put it on. Oh, feel like people trying and trying are going to keep trying to make the sexy bird. Uh, yeah, that is one. That is one slot that people are trying to make is making their version. Of the of uh, the Firebird, I disagree. Yeah. I'd say they're trying to make their version of the Splice. Okay, well, I mean, I think people are trying to replicate that the Sexy Bird because who? Um, I I I feel like the Omen, for example. I think when it came out, um, I feel like it was trying to hit that slot because it, it they rated it the same numbers. I think the Omen four, like zero four. From feel to look to touch, it, to me, it reminded me of trying to replicate like a PD. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, maybe a little bit slower. I but mean, like, but like PD Thunderbird, like on the overstable side of it, but not flippy like Sidewinders and CD twos. Yeah, but like for the you, first first time in throwing a thought space disc, um, usually I've found them all to be like if you get say an aura plastic and yellow um and you have a bunch of them they're all gonna fly the same um in this one the omen the glow ones they're all over the place there's glow ones that i've thrown now that turn 
and there's glow ones that I've thrown that soon as it re you release it, that thing's fading. It's so it's like a splice. Yeah. Um, so it's been kind of a hit and miss on finding ones that are not as beefy, but those beefy ones can create lines that uh, other discs can't, especially like the, the wooded areas. Having a super overstable nine speed um, can well, come in handy. And maybe I like specify my question a little bit because when I talk about like manufacturers trying to replicate other molds from other manufacturers, usually that to me is talking about uh, they a manufacturer that already has a full lineup and are then trying to like insert more like molds into that lineup to try to fill these gaps of their existing lineup. When I see somebody like Thoughts make an omen, whether it's trying to be a like Thunderbird or Firebird. To me, all ThoughtSpace right now is trying to do is fill out those yeah. molds, kind of like infinite discs. Like, of course, they have the Scepter, which is kind of comparable to a Firebird, but that's because they're trying to round out their entire, like, selection before they start to add and, like, replicate. So when I think about, like, MVP trying to add, like, the Uplink and Paradox, it's like, okay, you have an established lineup, and somewhere along the line, you wanted to double down on two flippy discs. Yeah, um, and so, like, for me, like, when, like, you know, what they wrote in, like, oh, people are going to keep trying to replicate the sexy bird. And my first question is, like, who? Because I don't think I see anybody, because I see, like, Discraft coming out with, like, their Captain's Raptor that's trying to be more overstable. But, you know, the sexy bird was designed to be more understable of a, a fire bird. And that's how it was designed. Um, and I haven't really seen anybody trying to make more understable, like, FD3s, Scepters, Raptors, or anything like that quite yet, because there's already that range to them. Um and that's to me like kind of my interpretation, I guess, of my own, like my own question. So I'm not sure if that sheds more light into it or not. No, no, it, it does. It does for sure. I mean, like like for sure, like with Thought Space, they they've got a good a good amount of discs to choose from, but it does not fill every single spot. Like I still I still throw my tactic. The tactic is not made yet. Um, I need an overstable mid, which they don't have an overstable mid. Um, they are coming out with an understable counterpart to the Pathfinder, which is going to be kind of cool. Um, and um, but other than that, I think it's just like the mid department is where, and like the throwing putters um, is where they need to kind of get some more discs in there. Because um, the drivers, they're kind of set. Uh, but like what you're saying with, with the MVP and or Axiom creating two of pretty much the same mold, because they can. You know, they, they already have all the lineup, and now they're just playing with it, seeing what sells. Because they can discontinue a disc at any point. Because MVP is one of the brands that produces plastic for other brands. So if they don't like a disc, they can take that mold, take it off their lineup, and sell it to another company that's looking for it. Yeah, and I guess maybe, like, I mean, but, like, should they when they don't necessarily have, like, all of the money, time, and energy to create an uplink when they already have the paradox, could that have been better spent like perfecting more, you know, just low-hanging fruit, the zone, like like the zone um, battle or an MD4 or, 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 like try to explore like this whole thing that they're like truly, I feel like lacking when you see, you know, Conrad even on tour and you're like, okay, like what would he do here with, maybe a truer Thunderbird instead of like what he's kind of trying to make work with the Volt and the Terra where they're a little bit slower versions of it. Yeah. Um, or, 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 and like I said, like, I don't want to like dive deep down into that. I'm just saying like you double down pretty quickly on your mode releases um, 
very similar, very niche, very, um, yeah, well, just very niche, like molds. Like, you're not going to create a slab and then be like, okay, now let's create a max to kind of like counterpart yeah. our slab. They're very utility disc. You have one slab. That's kind of all you need. You don't need something that overstable. You're not going to go, hey, let's get a tilt and then double down on the tilt X, which is going to be a slightly altered vi- version of that. You know, you just, you, I mean, you could do it because you have that capabilities. I'm just asking if you should or if you should further like dive in. And it's not even like MVP because I think there's all these other other brands as well that are kind of currently battling some of that same like, um, I guess, just rehash familiar molds and without trying to get like exploratory and creative. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I also that it, it brings another point of like, there's a lot more people starting to play disc golf. You know, it's, it's blowing up since COVID it's continuing to grow. And those newer players, a lot of them want understable. A lot of them want different levels of understability. Um, because that's what's going to get them the most distance out the gate um, as they're backhanding. Um, so that Maybe could be that's the driving factor of making a second understable uplink. I just maybe I just disagree with you. Everything I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I feel like newer players should be going for like understable. The argument should be made that whoever's teaching them should be getting them understable but i feel like the opposite they're going hey look shiny destroyer let me rip this and i feel like the people that are grabbing it are more intermediate to advanced players that are gravitating towards more of those understable especially the more you see like people like simon lazat ripping origin with that amazing touch ripping md with that touch kyle klein with the origin like you're starting to see this like pros do these things so these more intermediate to advanced players are starting to explore that game but i think that's more of like reflective of like this last year not necessarily like these newer players this is as this kind of pro swing but that's my my viewpoint on it and i'm just i guess in an argumentative mood and disagreeing with everything you say josh because it. there's two of us and you embodied the worst today <laughs> because that's just the lack of cody i mean how do you think i feel like listening to somebody who's wrong like <laughs> it's fine I mean, that's just why you have your speaker. You're just going to hear yourself talk, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, I mean, I think that can bring us to like our kind of question too of like, where do you view disc golf is in the current like stage? And this could be in like this ab- as, ab- as abstractly as you think, but with us being halfway through the season, um, where do you view disc golf? The Whether it's the fans, whether it's the golfers, whether it's the pros, the pro tour, uh, manufacturers, what's your take on things? Um, I feel like the fans of disc golf, I'll, I'll go on that one first. I feel like there's been a shift um, over the past like six months. Um, I feel like a lot of the disc golfers that came in strong from, from COVID and they're on the Facebook marketplaces, they're collecting and they're talking and I feel like everyone is is now searching for more of a community than they were before. Like while it was a driving factor for a lot of people, I feel like that part is people are starting to realize that it's not just about throwing discs. It's not just about going out and playing around. It's about meeting new people and sharing like-minded conversations um, more so than ever. I like I don't know what it is. It's something. I've sensed something different. 
where people are gravitating more towards that. And the ones that aren't are kind of getting left in the dust. And um, I mean, like with the bin page, what's funny about that page right now is that anytime there's a signature release, our and it, then it goes on sale, our numbers just skyrocket for like, it jumps pretty fast because it's these players go and buy these discs and they try to go and flip them on the marketplace. Um, and I feel like it's super off-putting for people who are on there trying to, you know, to sell plastic for a reasonable price or just to have conversation. Um, it's a weird world, man. It's a weird world. No, I, I can see that. And I think, I mean, even myself, like, I remember kind of being perfectly comfortable waking up 6 o'clock in the morning, going out there, playing my solo round, um, getting home by, like, 8, 9 o'clock, um, and just being solo. And now I feel like that sense of, like, connection, like, it's almost harder to play solo than it is to, like, well, is there anybody I can play with? Can I get this sense of community in? Sometimes I just want to, like, I mean, for me, like, I'm a tournament grinder, so... My favorite part is like, hey, I have an hour tournament tomorrow. I'm going to load up with a buddy who's tur- like are playing the tournament with me and we're going to drive down, drive back. Like, like I almost like it's almost like a, a crutch at this point to where it's like, man, I need somebody right alongside me to kind of keep me there, which is like I'm when I show up to tournaments and I don't know anybody. And it's like it's awkward. Like, oh, yeah, like I find myself taking that step back and regressing just a little bit. And so, I mean, I think that sense of community and that, that seeking that I think is all all very real because you know it's a hobby it's a sport it's competition it's but you don't want to experience that alone you know you don't want to just be out there grinding sweating in the rain rolling your ankles you know you want to have that that relationship within and i mean i have a buddy that i'll meet up with like every two weeks and we'll just go play you know a little bit further of a course but it's more than just disc golf because we're talking live we're talking you know, some of these other, like, very real aspects of it, and then, like, disc golf becomes, like, secondary, but it's that, you know, just relationship building. So, yeah. I, I can see that. And there's just that divide, too, where it's like, man, I think people got tired of flippers and scalpers, and they don't want that to be your identity. You know, it is a lot of people's identity, don't get me wrong, but they want more now. Like, I remember I sold a disc, uh, like, I put one up there, and I was like, oh, hey, like, I'm just gonna sell this, taking offers, and the guy's like, you know what? I haven't seen you post this in a long time. I'm going to give you $100 for it, and, you know, just because I haven't seen you post in a while, but it's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, that led to a whole deeper conversation that wasn't even about the disc. It was just like, oh, where have you been? I explained the community disc golf lounge, what I've been doing, and why I haven't been posting on, like, collectors and throwers or these other groups as much, because, you know, we have this sense of community of 700 people um, where we can have that, and buying or selling buying and selling this is almost secondary compared to like the actual like community side of it yeah yeah i just uh i did a walkthrough of the course that i'm i'm throwing a tournament at tomorrow um with like the i forget what his what his uh title is uh with the lamb lane um but going through we're just we're like i'm moving masses around to like make it easier positions um uh, because it's a you know rubber disc this challenge um but in doing so like just talking with him uh, it's really cool that the person who's in charge of like the community events and um outreach is so into disc golf um uh, like they're gonna be doing a um disc golf summer camp like a one-week thing um 
and they uh, probably have grow it um, come out in some regards to you know help coach or uh, they're gonna basically teach the kids the fundamentals of disc golf and then at the end of it they're having a little miniature tournament for all of them they're all middle schoolers so it's a, it's a really cool thing happening um, and like all that I built that relationship and that that connection with this really cool guy just by doing stuff in the disc golf world you know I just I want to throw a tournament and he was like so invested like he wanted to go out there and meet me in the course walked around um, learned about him. He learned about me. Um, it's those connections, man. I love them so much. No, definitely. And we just got a comment written in, so I'll just read it. But it says, uh, disc golf is the only sport where come tournaments and competitions, I'm trying to win at all costs. But I also love to see my competition do amazing things just as much. And I think that's an important sentiment because I was having a conversation well, last weekend. Well. We were playing uh, A tier, so which will be a Silver Series next year, Kitsap Classic. Uh, three-day tournament, 75 holes, just brutal. I did 50 miles from Wednesday to Sunday. I was exhausted. I am exhausted still. But I remember having those conversations with, like, lead card about, like, yes, I want to win, but that doesn't mean I want to see other people do bad for me winning. You know, it's this weird sport and this weird dynamic where I'm really battling myself, my mental game, uh, my throws, my consistency, my putts. Um, as well as the course and battling that out and then seeing how that score lines up against somebody else that's having those same exact battles. Like, yes, it sucks losing the same person two or three times, but realizing that they're in that same exact environment, whether it's good wind conditions, good or, good or bad, like rain, whatever, but they're battling those same things out and it's not being like, because I feel like there's like this other like very rule lawyer side of disc golf what they're going to be like, well, actually, I hate to be that guy, but, you know, that's usually some, like, rule, and that's how they're trying to win. You know, the, the, the oh, is it in or out? Huh, funny enough, every time it's me, they're voting that it's out, but every time that it's this person that's well-known and established, they're voting it in, and we can be exactly the same spot. You know, like, I don't want to ever, like, fall to that because, like, I want to see people do well because I know exactly how hard that shot is, how hard that shape is, how hard it is to do those things and how non-routine a routine part like birdie is. Um, like I never want to see other people fail in order for me to succeed. And I don't think that's a sport. Like I come from wrestling where you need to literally physically dominate somebody to win. I come from rodeo where you have to physically dominate an animal to win and disc golf isn't that. I don't need to physically dominate a disc golfer because I'd probably be in the pro tour and top 10 if that was the case. <laughs> but it's not. It's this whole other edge of mental game, battling yourself, this inner warfare. It's almost spiritual at this point of the conversations that you're having and the pitfalls that you have. Like it's like you look at like all of these things that are established like Oh, hey, don't create pitfalls for yourself because you're going to inevitably fall into them. Oh, hey, let's be aware of self-fulfilling prophecies. Uh, what are the narrative that you're going to write? Blah, blah, blah. But all of these things become like a very spiritual thing that you almost like translate to your everyday world because it's just like, oh, yeah, how do you exist and keep a positive mental like ability and battle that in week in, week out while it's raining, while your putting's missing? Like, I mean, for me, it's that's what I love about tournaments. That's why, like, for me, I like, you're right. Like I definitely want to win at all costs, but it's not because I'm trying to screw anybody over. It's because I'm beating, 
I'm winning my mental game. I'm winning my putts. I'm winning my drives. I'm winning the, the, the course. I'm beating the course. I'm trusting my prep. I'm doing all of these things. Um, and usually the person doesn't even matter, <laughs> you know, who I'm battling against. Yeah. I mean, like with this, I can, I'm similar to like half of it, which is love to see my competition do amazing things. But as far as me personally, just me, I'm not like a tournament grinder. I go to tournaments to see if I can get that anxiety to calm down enough for me to not miss putts. Um, but like, I don't go to a tournament saying, you know what? I'm going to win this tournament. So what I want to do, I'm like, no, you know what? Let's try Joshua. Let's try to get top 50%. Let's like fall in there or like, let's go try top 10. Let's, let's run, run for it. Um, but that's just all self-competition. I'm not here for first. What I'm here to do is that when you're on a card with me, you better, better, better believe you're going to have some laughs. But, that I think that's, my goal. <laughs> but I think that's like that inner battle. That's such an important thing. It's taking stock and realizing exactly where you're at and how that already stacks up to the field. Because I think we've all been there. I remember my first couple of tournaments. It wasn't there like, I don't want to, I don't want to win. I'm not here to win. I'm here to see how my game measures up. And mm -hmm. then from there, take those steps necessarily. So like your goals might be different than my goals. Your goal is I want to be 75% in circle one. I want to be a hundred percent from like bullseye. I want to be, <laughs> yeah. Like these are like little tangible goals. And that might be a little bit different than mine because like now my goal isn't necessarily circle one related. It's more like I want to start to be 30, 40% circle two. Um, but I'm also in a position to win and of course like winning's on my mind and i want to like continue to win but i'm also like not even chasing any more ma1 it's like i don't care what ma1's doing i want to make a push mpo score wise so it doesn't even matter like that i'm competing in one i want to see how my score is correlating between like where i'm at now and where mpo is at so like though i was top four at the a tier last weekend i looked and i would have been like mid-20s um in the MPO, which is like granted pretty okay when it's a 70 person field, but that tells me there's still that room to improve and those steps that need to kind of, you know, like get my circle two up, keep my mental checks because you want to talk about missing a five foot putt. I was eight down day two. I had a routine tap in and I've been slowing. Like I was like 27 holes. I was already, it was the 18th hole and I've already tapped in so many at that point. I was just like, this is routine. And the next thing you know, I miss it. And that bogey led to another bogey, and I finished four down on the day on that back nine. Um, when I was eight down, I was like, talk about like mental warfare. Like, I did the work. I battled back. The back nine is supposed to be my par. Just don't get aggressive. And then all of a sudden, like, I need to get aggressive. Let's get that back. Let's get that back. Like, completely broke down because of that five-foot putt. Like, it's one of those things, like, it's never going to go away because – it just slowly gets buried down into that checklist and you're just adding on to that. So um, all that to say, like, I think your battles are just as important and correlate to the success of being like a tournament grinder. You're not there. You Like I'm still working on my anxiety, you know, but I'm also working on the, like, how do I get the anxiety back? Because I'm getting comfortable in those situations, but that anxiety reminds me that I'm human, that I care, that, I'm out here competing that I'm doing what I love. I don't want it to be, uh, what's the word? Um, tedious. I don't want it to be 
a chore and I, ha- you know, like I'm just out there going through the motions. Like I need to have yeah. that intent and that anxiety reminds me that there is intent out there. Yeah, I, I see that for sure. And like one thing I, I like to do though is like whenever I finish, because uh, I play, you know, MA2, um, and when I finish my rounds, I look at like where would I be in MA1? Like where would I, I always check, like where would I stack up in MA1? Um, I surprise myself sometimes. It's like, wow, I actually wouldn't do like horrible. Because if you're going into it with, all right, just don't get last, I can hold my own. Yeah. And I think Uh, once you start to realize that, therein lies another step forward. You know, the fact that I can hold my own in MPO, like, yeah, I'm playing ME1, but that's because I have nationals on my mind. You know, I'm training for that. Like, so I'm still kind of there, but I can start to hold my own in there. And last weekend, I beat a lot of MPO that I respect um, that I just felt like I never can catch. And now all of a sudden, like, I I felt like a lot of growth took place. And just like you, like, last year you were MA3, very comfortable being MA3. And now you're MA2 looking at MA1 and what that looks like. And that's, like, to me, amazing. Like, for that sport to truly offer that, like, very realistic growth, even though you're not doing it every weekend. I mean, Yeah. yeah. I thought about, I mean, if I would have gone down to MA2, I even look at where I would, where I would be MA2. Like, it's not just MPO. I look down. Like, I could have dominated. I still technically could play MA2. I'm 935 rated. And Was it 936? Have, yeah. It's, I think, I mean, yeah, I think it's 936, but it's like, oh, yeah. Like, I could go down. I could have won by 11 down. Would that have meant more than a fourth place MA1? I don't think so. And I don't think fourth place would mean as much even as a top 20 finish in MPO. Um, and that's why, like, for me, like, I try not to be results-based because if you're battling that course, you're battling yourself and your mental health, it doesn't really matter where you're playing. Um, I think that uh, that that outside pressure, we already have enough pressure in disc golf or on ourselves that any outside pressure is just going to weigh you down just a little bit too much. So, like, having to win, having to show up, like, man – that's where, like, I don't think anybody should be, so. For sure. Because I was, like, I was joking with a buddy, like, he's MPO, and he was, like, maybe I just go down to MA1. Like, I just need to work on some things. I'm not out here playing. I was, like, hey, you know what? It sucks worse, like, than getting last, in, like, not last, but losing an MPO. When you move down to MA1 thinking you're going to win and you're losing at MA1, <laughs> that's probably going to sting just a little bit more. Like, because you're going to move down. Like, if I was to go move down to MA2, being like, I'm going to blow these guys out and I don't blow them out and I get, like, third, I'm going to feel like the worst human being in the world. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like, like, uh, like, like you say, I don't play tournaments like, every weekend. Like, I, I, try, I try to do at least once once a month. Um, but, like, when I played this, that Milo tournament, um, it jumped my, my uh, rating up by 18 points. Um, you know, it was my first first time doing a tournament uh, over 900 rated round, and um, yeah, it was a uh, it was a good tournament. I really I really liked where I was at um, for that course. Liking where you're at, god damn! Like I can still I remember Sandy Am. I remember the feeling, the alive that just having my time of life last weekend, having the time of my life. If you could like capture that and replicate that without being like fake and keeping that realness to it. I think you'd be like, 
we'd all be doing so much better. But it has to be like this, like perfect ratio and blend of who your card mates are, how you're throwing, how you're feeling, with you know all this stuff. And when I throw like that, God, I feel like I'm unbeatable. Um, but it's not something like I can like capture every weekend because if man, I just want to because like I love it that much. Like, I love playing that much that it should be coming out there, but then I start to have fun, and I feel like, is this force? Is this real? I'm, you know, yeah. like, that's why like, I find different ways to have fun, but it's, like, we're going back earlier, it's almost dependent on other people, because I'll be like, oh, hey, there's somebody I know over there, so I'm doing my dance, I'm having yeah. fun, you know, um, and that helps, that helps me have fun in there, but if I don't have anybody to see, and now all of a sudden, I'm sitting there with my card, I don't know anybody, and I'm like dancing in my head, but it's it's not coming out and it's not expressing itself. And man, I want to I want to figure out how to capture that because if you can, then I think you're just gonna blow everybody out. Yeah, but I, I think it's so easy for one card mate to try to ruin that for you. Like, there are people that I've played with that you know they take it serious or they have that anger where they they're kicking things and throwing things. Um, I know one time I, what I did to combat that was there was one person who was just was an angry little rich every time he messed up. Um, so I just like completely ignored that person and I did everything I could just to keep conversation going with the other two on the card, um, just separate from him, just let him have his little tantrums and, um, it, you know, it made a, what could have been a really bad round. Um, a little bit more enjoyable but for me like like yes that's like i feel like that's a polarizing thing like yes we all can pick out the bad individuals and be like let's ignore them look at the, their tantrum they're throwing they're ruining my card and my experience and that's easy to take like that like that opposite stance of being like i'm going to talk to these two i find it's almost trickier because one let me just like preface this with I have a hard time accepting compliments. If somebody's like, you know, hey, good throws, like, oh yeah, like <laughs> a good throw. Like in my head, it's like I missed my line by two feet. I missed my <laughs> angle. Like, how are you telling me? You know, and I'm just like head down. It's that wasn't the right gap. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. impossible to like almost accept compliments. And I even mean on the outside world when my like girlfriend, she's like, Oh, hey, you're handsome. I'm like, Oh yeah, like I'm the heaviest I've ever been. I haven't been working out. How are you like, you know, like but to her, it's a wholehearted compliment that I just can't accept. And I learned the older I get, the harder time I have accepting compliments. But I feel like the people that really ruin my days, like in disc golf now, are the ones that are almost like next level psychological, like manipulating these things by being like, oh, hey, you've been hitting those putts all day. You're not going to miss that one for 40 feet. And in your mind, you're just like, I'm not a good putter those are all lucky. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, like those compliments of like, Oh yeah, you've been banging those putts. And even if they're serious, but like, I have that doubt or like, is this guy serious or is he just joking? And the next thing you know, you just put it into the ground uh, for not even a chance in the air because you can't accept that compliment. And adversely, like when you're that person and you're being honest, like I had to be, have a guy like, you know, I, I had to tell him like, you know what? Accept my compliment. Don't accept my compliment. I thought it was a really good throw. I'm not here to argue <laughs> whether yeah. it was, you know, like I thought it was good. I'm not here to like disagree with you and what you're saying. So accept it or don't. 
I'm moving forward. And I had to tell that to a guy because he was trying to like, you know, do the arguing. So it's like, it's this weird balance because whether it's intentional or unintentional, you have this dialogue of being like, well, should I accept this compliment? Is it genuine? Is it not genuine? Are they trying to psych me out so that I miss this putt? And then like shuffling this all around. Yeah. That's, that's where I have a hard time with. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of variables and like compliments. It's, it's a, it's a hard thing to take sometimes. Um, I've, but I've also gone like stretches where like, I mean, I'll even say like even at that, uh, that last tournament I played the Milo, there was some, there was a stretch of like, I was making some really good shots. And when my card mates were like, Oh, that was a really good shot inside. I'm like, damn right. It was, I saw it. You know, like, <laughs> I love, sometimes I love to be a little like internally ego. I'm never like, externally egotistical when I'm playing disc golf with people, but sometimes I like to like hype myself up when I'm on like a roll of like this is like above par of what I usually do um, and I just ride that little high No, see maybe I'm too humble maybe I, maybe it's humble, maybe it's like this imposter syndrome, but I have a really hard time like accepting that I'm good, I'll see somebody and be like, oh my god, that guy's freaking killing it and then I'll match him shot for shot and still feel like I'm getting lucky. This guy's killing it. What do yeah. I, what more do I need to do? And it's like, I had to like stop myself and be like, when will you finally accept that you put in the work, you put in the time and though it might not look the same as what they're doing, you're just as good and you deserve to be successful. And I think that's such a hard concept to grasp because at the end of the day, I think we're our own worst enemies and we don't, I think, think we deserve success or I don't think I deserve success when I'm being successful because you know I had this image of that I'm chasing and I'm kind of getting closer and closer to it and I'm surprised that I am and I think that's everybody in disc golf when they it's such a get good really quick and then put in the grind to get great it's not hard to get good at the game, but it's really hard to get great. And it's that different, like, I'm not sure if you're a World of Warcraft player, but back in vanilla days when it first got released, you can do all of the quests and it'll only get you up to like level like 50, 52. And you had to grind the other eight levels to 60. And it was a battle. And I feel like that's kind of disc golf related. It's easy to get up to like the certain point, but then eventually you got to put your head down, grind, do the putting practice, do the field work, getting out to the courses, take the lumps, take the losses, take the highs and the lows and put them together and get a new consistent bar. Um, but anyway, so for me, like I have this hard time thinking I'm good when, when clearly I am, but also like there's a time where I still remember shooting 800 rated rounds. And there's a time I remember now more recently than the 800 round where I'm shooting thousand rated round. But that doesn't mean like those go away. <laughs> well, I'm here to tell you, Paige, that you are good and you do deserve success. See, you I do deserve. That. You do deserve everything you want out of disc golf. So do I. So does everyone listens listening to this. Like everyone deserves anything they want. They deserve to be happy. I disagree. Not everybody deserves to have anything they want, and not everybody deserves to be happy because those are all <laughs> things you work for. Those aren't things that are just handed out to you. I mean, working for them, <laughs> yes. But everyone deserves them. No, like, this is... 
even if you have to work for it, you still deserve it. Like everyone deserves to do and have whatever they want. Yes, you have to work for a lot of it, but you deserve it. And when this is where I, I this is where like I, this is where like I think my life pers- like focus and uh, my perspective of what meaning of life is differs from people. And sometimes it's more limiting than it is uh, beneficial. So for me, like I live by this like desire or not desire that the one constant in this world is that everything is growing. And the moment things stop growing, they cease to exist. And it's this unattainable thing that, you know, no matter where you get to, you need to continue to grow and develop. Um, because the moment you stop, you die, right? Everything in nature, the moment it stops growing, it's dead. Um, and so for me, this is kind of like my viewpoint on a lot of life. So for me, like this, this, this tangible happiness, this tangible, uh, whatever, like goals I can't ever achieve because I need to continue to grow. And the missus hates me because she's like, stop and smell the roses. You put, you've done all this stuff. And we've had like a lot of conversations, but for me, it's always about continuing to improve and always about moving forward. So like for me, this is where like maybe my own philosophy gets in, in the way of like what you're saying, because I think you're, you're right. Like everybody deserves to be happy. Everybody deserves these things. But for me, that comes much later because I need to continue to be doing more. Um, so you're focused like, it's like you're focused on the goal, the end results, but there Not is no end. That's the, that's the whole thing. What I mean is, like, <laughs> you're always focused on what's next. Yeah. Yeah. And I never can quite enjoy because it's not about, like, oh, hey, I can throw 400 now. It's now I'm working to 450. Well, now I've reached 450. Now I'm working on 500. Now I'm working on my mid-range and my approach game. And that's why, I like, I love disc golf because you're always moving forward. Even, like, Simon Lazar, Eagle McMahon, uh, Ricky Wysocki, Paul McBeth, they're never done growing either, even though they've been top 10 for a long time now, they're still, you know, continuing to grow. And that's why I like, I love disc golf because it matches my own philosophy on life so much that, you know, it, it gives me everything I need. It's not anything like, you know, I am this ultimate, whatever, whatever it's, you know, I can always be doing better and should be doing better. Even if I'm blown out the competition by like 10 strokes, I guarantee whether you're negative 10 or plus 10, you're always going to see those three or four strokes that you left out on that course. It's always going yeah. to be there. Um, and so for me, like that's one of the reasons I love disc golf, but also like where sometimes I have a hard time limiting, like I limit myself almost with that philosophy because it's, Okay, well, this weekend, what am I going? To, what am I going to learn from this weekend? What am I going to do for this weekend? How am I going to continue to improve my game this weekend? Versus being like, "All right, how do I take my my improvements, put them together, and have a successful showing, and then continue moving?" It's this, it's this weird like dichotomy of things that I'm kind of currently working out. Yeah, don't mean to derail. No, no, no. <laughs> this is good. This is good because like. I, I definitely feel like we are are different in how we approach certain things like this, uh, yeah. which is which is good. It's good to meet people who approach life differently, because there's a million ways to do it correctly. There's a million ways, and everyone takes their own little path. Like for me, like the funnest part, like when I went to, for instance, like when I, when I went to Ledge Ledgestone, my favorite part of that whole that whole trip 
was the drive from Ledge from my house to Ledgestone and all the little stops I made. Like I got to play in this, you know, big tournament and I enjoyed it, but there's so many more aspects of it that I truly enjoyed outside of just the competition. Um, so I, I don't like I don't like setting a destination and saying this is where I want to be. I say that looks nice. I'm just gonna do me. We'll see what happens. If there's growth, there's growth. Um, I just like to enjoy what I do when I do it, and try to make other people around me enjoy what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I think there's like there's it's like what is it, is a Venn diagram. Yeah, two circles. I think you and I have a Venn diagram. And how we approach it. I think so. There's a lot of over like and I think that's why we vibe so well. It's that there's a lot of overlapping uh, <laughs> like ideals. And then you can see the application, which is where we both approach it differently. Which is, I mean, in a sense, is disc golf, right? You step up to a tee shop. My favorite disc golf sh- like holes in disc golf is when you have four people step up to a hole and they all throw four different shots. Um, because that's that's four minds, eight eyes. Four discs all looking at the hole differently and trying to, you know, score on it. And those are my favorite holes because the holes where you can just like everyone's throwing the same, you know, putter hyzer. Oh, cool. Like those aren't fun to me. It's you have all of these options and all of these options give you the one like the one out that you see. Um, so. I mean, I think that's why we vibe so well and why we can talk for a whole hour, um, just you and I, because there's also, like, I don't, I don't think there's the arrogance to us that ours is the only way, mm-hmm. because I think there's this, like, openness of being, like, being able to kind of be, like, okay, cool, like, let me, like, actually, like, respect and hear your opinion, because I value that, um, and which is why Cody does, isn't here, because we don't value that opinion um, <laughs> a lot of times, because he's just wrong, he's the worst, and you all know that, which is why you tune in. Because you need the polarizing opinion of why you can't trust a Cody, but you can trust a Josh and you can trust a Paige. I mean, that's science. That's, that's science. science. That's, that's science. just that's just common common practices. So with that, guys, I know we're kind of coming to a close. Josh, do you want to have your final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think I just want to tell everyone that I hope they're having a great day. I mean, I I've I've had a pretty good week. I got a uh, you know, I got I got sponsored by Thought Space Athletics. I'm super super excited about that one. Um, I'm just ending my sponsorship with uh, Elevation Discs uh, in June, throwing a fundraiser tournament um, with their discs tomorrow morning uh, to help raise money for you play. Um, just trying to spread love disc golf, and I'm gonna give everyone a little insider information that. If you are friends with me on Facebook and you saw my post where I announced that I was sponsored by Thought Space, I put a little picture of me throwing a disc. In that shot uh, was a point during a tournament where I was like, let's have some fun. And I 360'd and that disc is going straight out of bounds. If you, if you look at it, it's going straight out of bounds. <laughs> But it's a good shot. <laughs> well, congratulations on your sponsorship. There has to be some pun or parallel of, 
you know, elevation, you've elevated your mind to be this deeper thought space athletics. Like there's just this growth that takes place from that. And I want to see what that comes out. Um, I think it's a great sponsorship that pairs really well with you. Um, I'm excited for your sponsorship in just so many ways, um, more than the discs, more than the plastics, because when you think about like what thought space really embodies, it's not just their plastic. You know, it's not just cool art. It's not, it's so much more. And I think, you know, you're perfectly suited for that. So congratulations with that. Um, Let me move to my closing thoughts. Uh, Championship courses should be made for championship level players. I'm going to continue to repeat this. You all know it by this point. So (laughs) you get used to me saying it. OTB weekend. I'm excited for that. I think there's a lot to discuss. There's a lot to unpack. I'm excited about our next 52 weeks of Jammers in the Rough. Um, thank you all so much for tuning in this week. Sorry about last week. You can blame Cody for that one as well because Cody's the absolute worst. So with that, guys, we relay, we rely, not relay, we rely on all of you to like, subscribe, share, but also more importantly, be our guests. If you're interested in being a guest on Jammers in the Rough, please reach out. Um, Even if you have in the past, we don't keep a definitive list. So just send me a reminder. Hey, Paige, I would still like to be a guest on this. I would love to hear all of your opinions. I reached out to a friend about like his move from Oregon to Colorado. And I want to be like, yo, after like six months of tournaments over there, what's the differences and i want to see those perspectives but really i just want to see your guys perspective on disc golf because everyone's is so unique and different so we rely that on you guys so with that keep jamming it in the rough everyone <laughs>